Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The Adam Shine Podcast. Ah, oh, yes, episode 35 of the Adam Shine Podcast. And we have a great guest for you today. Drew Henson is going to be the featured guest on the Adam Shine Podcast. Drew Henson, Michigan star, Yankees prospect. He made his first NFL start on Thanksgiving for the Dallas Cowboys. Feels like a lifetime ago. We'll talk to him about Michigan football, Tom Brady, the Yankees, Michigan, Kyler Murray, baseball. I can't wait to have Drew Henson. I was obsessed with him when he was at Michigan, and then when he signed with the Yankees. Can't wait to have Drew Henson as the featured guest on the Adam Shine podcast. To get the party started, want to start with the NFC landscape because things consistently change week in, week out. Look. You can't be surprised that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers lost against the L.A. Rams on Monday night. We told you last week on the Adam Shine podcast, Rams are going to win that game because the Rams are the better team with the better head coach and the better defense and in 2020, the better quarterback. Tom Brady has been brutal this year when it comes to the deep ball. Last three games, 0 for 15 with three interceptions on passes in the air 20 yards or more. One more time, last three weeks, 0 for 15 on passes 20 yards or more. Tom Brady, 43 years old, can't throw it deep anymore. Simple as that. And I blame Bruce Arians for knowing this and refusing to run the ball with Ronald Jones and not having Mike Evans as the featured wide receiver and not having Cameron Braid in the game more and two tight end sets and... You know, the game plan's awful. Brady's execution is awful. I mean, it went noted to me, and I tweeted this in moment in game, and we talked about it at length on Shine on Sports on, on Tuesday on Sirius XM. Listen, Sean McVay held for a field goal at 24-24. Held for a field goal, a go-ahead field goal, to give the ball back to Tom Brady with two and a half to go. Think about the weight of that. He ran the ball on third and eight to give the ball back to Tom Brady because he knew, and I knew, and I'm guessing Tom Brady knew. I mean, this is no longer Tom Brady playing at a GOAT comeback kid kind of level. And, of course, Tom Brady grossly overshot Cameron Braid, and the Rams' defense able to pick him off and seal the deal. And, by the way, it really bothered me. Tom Brady didn't shake hands after the game. It really bothered me. I mean, this is what he does after losses. Didn't shake Nicky Foles' hands, doesn't shake Jared Goff's hands. I mean, come on, Tom. You're yucking it up after a win. Act professional. You know, you're a face of sports, face to the league. A lot of kids watching. That's a bad, bad look here when you analyze Tom Brady. That is as bad, as dreadful as it gets. So, listen, I don't take the Bucks too seriously right now, and Bruce Arians is part of that. They need to change the offense. They need to change what they run and how they run it. And, you know, the whole no-risk-it-no-biscuit thing doesn't work with a 43-year-old. You can't just keep chucking it deep. Bruce continues to throw Tom Brady under the bus. Why he does that makes absolutely no sense. By the way, 
you look at how they performed a couple of Sundays ago against Carolina when there was balance on offense. I mean, it's it's not a crazy formula, Bruce. I mean, please, let's go. You didn't run it against New Orleans, and you got smoked. You ran it against Carolina, you won. I mean, what what a joke. And the other side of the game from Monday in big picture, Rams are legit. The Rams are absolutely legit. I think the Rams have a great chance to go into the Super Bowl. You know, a couple of weeks ago on CBS Sports Network, I asked Bill Cower on that other pregame show, team to beat in the NFC. This is the morning before the Rams-Seahawks game, and he said the Rams. Rams, my opinion, great coach. I love the way Goff is playing, spreading the ball around to Cooper Cup and Bob Woods. Aaron Donald is a stud. I love the cornerbacks. Line has been solid. I wouldn't bat an eye if the Rams ended up going to the Super Bowl. Listen, I think the Rams are actually the best team in the NFC, and I've said that for a couple of weeks. I think the Saints are going to get the one seed. I vehemently disagreed with Sean Payton starting Taysom Hill. And listen, I'll tell you when I'm right. I'll tell you when I'm wrong. I'm not taking a loss on that take. I still think Jameis Winston is, was a better option and could have beat the Atlanta Falcons. But that Saints defense is flying around. And Taysom Hill, Sean Payton loves him. You know, they gave him two years, 21 mil. I mean, before the game last week, he had more tackles than completed passes in, in the NFL as a special teams kind of ace. The, the New Orleans Saints defense is cooking with gas right now. You look at their schedule, I think they're going to end up getting the one seed. And, you know, especially when you consider only one bye now in each conference, Saints absolutely are in that mix for for the Super Bowl, and they're going to win the division. Bucks are going to have to go on the road. Bucks are going to get smoked against Kansas City. Can't wait for that game. We'll get into it with Bob Stu later in the podcast. Saints are going to end up getting the one seed. We now all of a sudden have to take Seattle seriously because of Seattle's defense. I've been saying consistently all year, can't trust Seattle. Can't trust Seattle, won't trust Seattle. Finally, we saw the defense and how they performed against Arizona. Carlos Dunlap told you that was a steal and that deal. What an acquisition by John Schneider, their great general manager. If they play pass defense like they did against Arizona, of course they're in the Super Bowl conversation. I want to see it consistently. I want to see it time after time. I still like the Rams and I still like the Saints more, but listen, I acknowledge the upside for the Seahawks. Not about let Russ cook. It's about let Russ breathe. And if you have that defense, that will do just that for Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. And listen, I told you last week on the podcast that Indianapolis was going to beat Green Bay because they were the better team. You know, I feel bad for MVS. I don't blame him for the fumble. I blame Brian Gunakis for not giving Aaron Rodgers more talent and not giving him a legit number two receiver. We begged for Michael Pittman for Green Bay. You saw him score a touchdown and dominate the Green Bay pass defense. Listen, it's the same old, same old with Aaron Rodgers, and I hate this for Green Bay. Of course, Green Bay is in the Super Bowl conversation because Aaron Rodgers is the most talented quarterback in the history of the NFL. Problem is, they're going to continuously, like they did against the Indianapolis Colts, face teams with better defenses, better receivers, more talent, and it's going to be about, all right, Aaron, go carry us to a championship. Not the recipe for success here for the Green Bay Packers. Drew Henson is going to join us as the featured guest on the Adam Shine podcast after this. 
Hey everyone, this is former NFL linebacker and current SiriusXM NFL radio host Kirk Morrison, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, Total Coverage. Each week, I'll be joined by some of the greatest minds in the game as we explore the hows and the whys behind the week's biggest results. Whether we're breaking down player techniques, game plans, or coaching philosophies, we'll explain the details that define our favorite performances. New episodes will be available every Tuesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Well, we are extra fired up about this one. Joining us this week as a featured guest on the Adam Shine podcast, legendary Michigan quarterback, former Cowboy, former Yankee, our guy, Drew Henson. Drew, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great today. Thanks for having me on, Adam. Happy Thanksgiving also. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. And, you know, I always love Thanksgiving. I do. I I just love everything about it, food and family and football. And, you know, I started thinking about who the perfect guest would be for the podcast this week. And, you know, I was going through, you know, Thanksgiving games that I remembered. And, you know, as someone who was always infatuated with the Drew Henson story and what you did at Michigan, and you know I'm a diehard Yankee fan, it hit me. You made your starting debut in the NFL on Thanksgiving. What was that like? You played the week before in relief. First game you ever started on Thanksgiving. It uh, it was something. Um, you know, I remember that day obviously very clearly, and uh, and more importantly, I remember the prep for that week because uh, you know just a couple weeks before I had been elevated from number three to number two. Uh, and then got in, you know, at the end of the Ravens game. Uh, fortunately, we had a nice drive and, and finished with a touchdown. But uh, it was just that three days of, of prep that week and, and trying to get used to throwing to the, to the number one guys again. We didn't have a whole lot of reps. So uh, we just rolled into it and, um, you know, it didn't go as well as I wanted it to go. But uh, all in all, it's an experience I'll never forget. It's really incredible when you start thinking back to everything that transpired over the course of that week. And I love, Drew, how you mentioned the preparation. You know, you came in when when Vinny Testaverde got hurt the week before. You were dynamite in relief. And I remember thinking, this is going to be a great performance for Drew Henson. This could be the start of something big for you in Dallas. You know, it's funny. We never think about that in terms of practice. You know, if the schedule would have said maybe a Sunday and you get those reps with the first team, who knows what could have happened in that game and maybe down the stretch for you with the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, yeah, you're right, Adam. I mean, I certainly think about it a lot. Uh, but you do see that a lot, a lot in sports. Um, you know, guys' windows of opportunity uh, are drastically different, you know, depending on a number of different factors. You know, it can be experience, age, where they were drafted, salary, a lot of different things. Uh and for me, you know, having gone and played baseball and, and given up being a first-round pick, uh, coming back to the Cowboys, um, you know, my window probably wasn't as big as it may have been uh, otherwise. And, and that game specifically, um, you know, we, we start off, we score a touchdown, uh, we scuffle for a couple of drives, uh, I throw a pick uh, for a touchdown, and we go in at half at 7-7. Um, you know, and they decide to put Vinny back in. So there wasn't a whole lot I could do about that after that, that day. Have to go back to work and keep getting better and hoping that I, uh, I get another opportunity. And unfortunately, I didn't. And, you know, that's part of sports and part of life. But uh, I certainly believe that having been given another chance, that uh, I could have done a lot of really good things. 
Absolutely, and I've always believed that. What was it like playing for Bill Parcells in that kind of situation? Uh, well, I can say I learned a lot. Um, you know, looking back, yeah, I think that Coach Parcells may have had a little different uh, opinion on me than, than I really think was true. Um, you know, I gave up a lot when I came back to play football. Left a lot on the table in baseball, both uh, financially and opportunity. And whereas, you know, he may have looked at it like I'd failed in baseball uh, and football was a fallback. For me, I was really just scratching the surface of my baseball talent. And I was getting me a bats and kind of right where I needed to be developmentally. Um, but I miss football. I miss being a quarterback. Uh, I saw a really great quote from Kyler Murray last week when asked about playing baseball. And he says he thinks about it, but he just would really miss football if he was doing that. And that's exactly how I felt. And it wasn't until I was actually doing it that uh, deep down I couldn't live without being a quarterback, um, without having the ball in your hands. And no matter what I did in the baseball field, uh, there was nothing quite like game day and, and me having that type of role in that type of sport. Um, and those are some of the reasons why I went back to football. And um, I don't know if everybody understood it that way. Let's go back to 2000 because your 2000 season, and I, and I went and looked this back up because I remember you missed the first few games, first three games of the season. John Navarre played. You had that injury right before the season started. Then you were healthy, and you were amazing. I mean, you want to talk about a stretch of Michigan football. The Northwestern game was unbelievable. You won in Ohio State. You you didn't just win. You shredded Ohio State. You beat Auburn in the Citrus Bowl. I mean, what what goes through your mind when you go back and think about that incredible season in 2000 as the Michigan quarterback? And it was. And there were some stretches where uh, you really couldn't have much more fun playing football, um, executing and uh, and just being as good as you possibly could be. Uh, but I look at it, as, you know, there's a little disappointment. I think in all of our eyes, the guys are on that squad just because of what opportunity we felt like we had um, early on in the season. I got hurt. We lose on the road. And then two back-to-back losses after giving up the lead. Um, you know, we had a really good squad that year. And, you know, we, we didn't – I don't think we achieved as much as we could, but there were stretches where uh, it was pretty special. Without question. And then, obviously, you decide to to go to baseball. And, you know, you mentioned it, Drew. It's not, you know, hyperbole. It's, it's fact. You were going to be a first-round pick. You know, I thought destined for stardom at the, at the quarterback position. Now, the Yankees are the Yankees, and you love baseball, and you had a ton of talent, and obviously the ability to play both. And, you know, let's be honest, they gave you at the time a, a really nice contract. So I, I'm, I've always wanted to ask you this. Take us through the decision, and how tough was it to leave Michigan and leave the position of quarterback? Uh, I mean, it's the toughest decision I've ever had to make. Um, it's like – it's like telling someone that loves two things equally that you've spent your whole life working toward that you just have to choose to walk away from and, and never, ever do that again. Um, that's really hard to do. And so I'm a pretty logical guy, and, I, and I'm trying to lay out every, every piece of the decision um, from, you know, do I want to play baseball every day? Do I want to play a football game once a week and, and film prep and practice? Um, at that moment in time, though, I, Adam, I hadn't had not had a day off in uh, over three and a half years. I believe that. Uh, from the yeah. day I graduated high school to that summer going to Michigan, to signing with the Yankees, to playing 10 games before my freshman year. Being a football player, a student, spring ball, then reporting in May and playing a summer baseball. You know, even during spring training, uh, 
at spring break in Michigan, I'd, I'd leave spring ball. Kids would go to Panama City. I'd go to Tampa and spend 10 days in baseball. You know, there'd be nights uh, after practice, spring ball practice, I'd drive back to Brighton and my dad would throw baseball to me in our high school uh, gymnasium so I could get ready for baseball. I mean, I was, I was doing two things full-time, 12 months a year, uh, as well as being a full-time student. And when I broke my foot before uh, that 2000 season, I was making a right turn uh, on a boot, you know, and I just spent the summer making only left-hand turns running the bases. And that kind of told me my body was starting to break down some too. So uh, I was running pretty hard for, for a while and, and felt like another year of that may have been too much and, and kind of felt like that was the time to make a call. Um, and then you, don't, you, you take that, I weigh out those decisions. If I play my senior year, you go to an expansion team and get beat up. Um, do I come back and have four offensive linemen leave? I don't think I could have put any better film out than I had at that moment. Um, and I could control, you know, who I played for if the Yankees traded back to me. So, um, I took everything into account, you know, prayed on it. Uh, and at the end of the day, I think I, you know, if I just would have looked at myself and said, Hey, I'm a quarterback and just gone with that, I just simplified it. <laughs> so I, and let me follow off that, Drew. Do you regret the decision? to go baseball full-time and, and sign with the Yankees? If you had to do it again, would you would you go pro and or go back to Michigan? You know, I, I, I don't regret any decision because, you know, I love where I'm at in life. You sure. know, I met my wife in Dallas, and, and, and my path has led me to where I am. From a strictly sports perspective, um, I think I was ready to go straight to the NFL and, uh, and take my chances there. You know, I, I split time with Tom. I didn't have as many starts, but... I had three years of uh, uh, good reps and games in, and I think where my game was then, uh, I, I could have stepped in and uh, held my own. I don't think there's any question about that. And you referenced the splitting of the of the reps with Tom. Obviously, Tom Brady, and we're talking about the the Michigan team in in 1999, and that was that was a fascinating scenario. It was Brady for the first quarter, Henson for the second quarter. Whoever was hot for the second half of of the game, I mean, Lloyd Carr had his hands full there in terms of trying to figure all that out. And I'm sure that weighed on you, and I'm sure that weighed on Tom. And listen, he had two incredible talents. What was that like for you dealing with what I'm sure was pretty immense pressure of someone else starting the game and then you playing in the second quarter? Well, let me start by saying I don't know if Coach Carr could have been in a more difficult position than he was put in, you know, for those couple of years. Um, it obviously was the topic of conversation throughout Michigan football. And uh, at the same time, you know, Tom and I are teammates. We're competing every day to try to get on the field. But, uh, you know, Coach Schumbeckler and Coach Carr, it's always about the team, the team, the team. So you break it down to what you can control, you know, you work your tail off, you compete, and then uh, whatever they say you do. And, uh, and that's what we try to do. And then you get to a point in the season where we had all of our goals still left on the table to win the Big Ten and, and win a New Year's Day bowl game. And that's when Coach Carr said, hey, we're going to roll with Tom these last three or four games. And, and that's what we did. And Tom finished up great with a truly memorable Orange Bowl victory to, uh, mm-hmm. to cap off his career. Uh, that was a great game against Alabama. I remember that one incredibly well. What was that like in terms of your relationship with Tom as, as you guys were going through that? Because, you know, you have to respect you're playing for Michigan, the team, the team, the team, but also you want to be out there and you want to be the quarterback. Yeah, you do. And, and honestly, that's not the way the, the position meant to be played. You know, it's a one-man job. Um, but at, at the same time, you know, if you've got two guys that, 
that can help you win and, and you don't know what's going to go on in the course of a game, I can totally understand uh, doing that. But, uh, yeah, with Tom and myself, uh, he was three years older than me, don't forget. So when I was a freshman, he was a fourth-year senior. So we were in different leadership roles on the team. So while I was competing with him, you know, for our position, at the same time, he was a team leader. And I learned a lot from him as far as preparation and and being a smart quarterback, being tough, the way he handled it, he was in a more difficult position than I was. I was the young, the young kid, the hometown guy that was trying to, to go and do his thing. And Tom, uh, the California kid that, that didn't have all the hype, you know, I respected him even more for what he, uh, how he handled it all because I, I know it wasn't easy on him. That's interesting from that perspective, Drew. I never really thought of it that way. That that's that's yeah, kind of a fascinating time, you know, answer. It, and we don't. It wasn't going to be a forever thing, too. You know, right. he was going to graduate right. and I was going to move in. So uh, it, it wasn't like, you know, both have four-year contract and, uh, you know, and you don't know the, the, the end game, so to speak. Did you ever talk Ohio State-Michigan with George Steinbrenner? Uh, only after I signed. Um, but not a, not a whole lot during that. Mr. Steinbrenner loved him from Ohio State, but make no mistake, Mr. Steinbrenner was all Yankees all the time. All Every Yankees all the time, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, he he loved football, football mentality. Uh, he wanted his guys to get after their opponents just like he would on the football field. Uh, I know that he appreciated that part about it, uh, about me. Uh, but I just I'm so grateful for the experiences that I had and things I've learned about life from being uh, an 18 year old kid. You get to spend time around Bo Beckler and George Steinbrenner before you're 20 years old. <laughs> um, you talk, you know, you talk about successful leaders and and the, you know preaching the right stuff and, and truly being focused about what goals you have. So uh, it was, it was a wonderful experience. Did Derek Jeter ever want to pick your brain? I know how much he loves Michigan and obviously Mr. Steinbrenner loved Ohio state. Did Jeter ever want to talk Michigan football with you? Oh yeah. Always, always. Uh, yeah. Derek was a huge Michigan fan and, and a big football fan. And, that, and, you know, when I first met him and asked him if he ever played, he also was very clear that he wanted no part of contact whatsoever. <laughs> that, was, that was not that was not something he was interested in. So he was cool being a fan. Oh, that's awesome. I, I love that. <laughs> what was it like as a Michigan guy who absolutely owned Ohio State? You're playing minor league baseball, triple A baseball in Columbus. Yeah, that was that was that was an experience. Uh, in itself, it was well. Thank God we won. I should say that. You know, if we had, if we hadn't won in Columbus the November before, it could have been a lot worse. But um, you know, it was part. Of, it was part of being down there. You know, I'm trying to grind it out in AAA, get to where I want to be. And uh, to the Columbus fans, you know, I'm a, a Michigan's quarterback. You know, playing playing for their Clippers. So you know, you'd get booed every day, and you know, people come out and give their two cents with their beers and such. And um, you know, that's part of sports. But no, I certainly wasn't having the, the most fun time uh, at AAA. Oh, I can imagine. When did you <laughs> realize that, you know, you were going to make that switch once again and, and go back? And, and baseball so difficult. It, it just, it, it is, you know, being a, a AAA player, a 4A player, and getting to the majors. What was that moment or moments, Drew, for you where you said, you know what, I'm going to give football and give quarterback another try? Well, uh, well, 2001, I left when I left school again, you know, the night before I'm going up to AAA, uh, I'm playing a game in Tampa and I get hit by a pitch and break my hand and miss half a season. So, um, 
you know, things were kind of snake bit. I kept, you know, kept waiting for my opportunity for the break. And, um, you know, I was kind of, I was kind of set back there from the beginning, but, uh, you know, you go to AAA, the difference between AAA and AA, uh, you get a lot of veteran pitching in AAA guys that have been in the big leagues, uh, that might not have quite the stuff, but have the savvy and you throw a 21 year old guy up there, uh, with barely a one season of minor league experience. And, and, uh, just my plate approach and my, my experience level took a little while to catch up. So, um, that was all perfectly developing uh, for me that, that, that last year in 2003, uh, I really tried to figure out, do I want to do this every day? Um, or do I really, do I really want to get, you know, do I miss football enough to give up what I've, what I've laid the groundwork here for? Uh, and so I kind of spent that year, uh, trying to evaluate that. Uh, and at the end of the day, I got called up, I got a hit in New York. Um, you know, it wasn't what I wanted numbers wise, but, uh, I just had to give myself a shot at quarterback um, and see what I could do. I felt like, you know, I could be a 280 hitter uh, with a 25 to 30 home run career, or I could, you know, I felt like my ceiling in football was higher and my skill set there was a little more unique. And that's why I did it. You referenced the Kyler Murray comments, and he told our friend Brandon Tierney that recently on, on CBS Sports Network. And, and I was curious to get your take on it. And, and you referenced it without even me bringing it up, but I'm not surprised because – you know, very few people could realize, you know, what goes on in the mind of someone like Kyler Murray. You know, this is a guy who was a top 10 pick of the Oakland A's and obviously number one overall pick of the Arizona Cardinals. And, you know, I don't think he was saying, I want to go back to baseball. I you know, remember he was on, you know, Brandon show the day after the, the throw to DeAndre Hopkins. So, you know, he was pumped up and he's feeling himself and, and he's fired up. You know, if you were advising Kyler Murray especially when it comes to baseball and dreams, what would you tell him? I would tell him he made the right choice right now. Uh, he looks he, he looks so happy and so natural, and, and he's, he's showing a type of game that the NFL hasn't seen before. Um, and I think it's great. I think it's great for the NFL. You know, you need – you always certainly need great athletes in baseball. Um, but for what Kyler's doing and what he can bring to the table, I, I couldn't be happier for him. And, and again – you know, he's got a long career. You never know what can happen in the future. Hell, he could win a Super Bowl or two and at 28 say, you know what, my body's good, but I want to go take some swings now. You never know. He's the type of athlete that could do that. I don't think there's any question. And the last thing you ever want to do is sell someone like Kyler Murray short. I agree with that. Drew, how do we get Michigan football back to the level that it was at when you were there? I mean, you know, I have so many friends who are Michigan alum. The world of sports, it's better when you have Michigan excellence and dominance. You know, this has been a, a wild season for Michigan football. What do you see? How do we get the program back? Uh, that's, that's a loaded question, Adam. Um, there's a lot There's a lot there. Um, you know what? Just, just looking at it from the outside, if you're just watching the game, um, we don't look as physical as you'd expect the Michigan team to look, both both offensively and defensively. Um, and that's not an easy question to answer. Uh, I, I think I think a lot of it goes into scheme, uh, the way you practice. If you're a speed team, constantly working on that, you're not hitting each other as much. I think there's something to uh, having full contact drills uh, that establishes attitude uh, and the ability to tackle. Um you know, a second thing I would say is, you know, we're just – we don't quite have the horses that we had in the past. Kirk Street during the Wisconsin game brought up a really good point, and they showed a graphic that in the 12 years that Coach Carr was head coach, we had 28 uh, skilled players drafted compared to the 12 years since there's been 10. 
And and when you wow. really line that up and, and think about the big games against Ohio State and Wisconsin and, and these guys that have that have the equivalent athletes, it's, it's the top tier dudes that are making the plays to win games. Um, you look at you look at the number of first round draft picks, especially DB that Ohio State's throwing out there. Um, those are the guys at the end of the day that make the plays to win. Um, and then just you know, final thing, uh, you know, there's a stretch where we had seven Michigan quarterbacks in a row. Uh, win Big Tens and go play in the NFL and get drafted. Uh, and there hasn't been a quarterback that's been recruited and drafted since Chad Henney in 2004. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff there. But uh, but I think to start, you uh, you got to find some guys that, that you know, want to play together, establish, you know, some continuity on the roster uh, from start to finish. We lose too many guys in the program. Um, and I also think involving some of the ex-players, being around the building more. Um, interacting with our current players. That was something that was big with Bo and Lloyd. Uh, you'd always know the former players. You always knew the guys that were your number before you. Uh, you took pride in it. You knew they were watching. Uh, you carry the ball for Michigan every time you had the ball in your hand. So um, I haven't been back lately. It's, it's a lot harder to get in the building these days. So um, I don't have all the answers. Those are just my thoughts right now. You know, that's something on a much different level. But I, I remember for a while, Syracuse went through that with, with football and, and players and whether or not they can go back, you know, and, and Michigan's a whole different level. I mean, you want to talk about history, tradition, what a uniform number represents, what a uniform represents. I mean, I would think, Drew, you, you have to have the, the, not even just the prominent alum, the alum who bleed blue, who bleed Michigan. I mean, you guys have to be around that program. That that has to be the case, right? Yes. Yeah, I think it's huge. I mean, you have to use the advantages you have. And what yeah. we have in Michigan is our tradition and the guys that came before you. Um, you're, you're not going to have every player there trying to tell Coach Harbaugh what to do, but I think having guys with enthusiasm and support, you feel that. When you'd be at you know, you're at Michigan Stadium warming up before the game and you've got 100X players on the sidelines, you know, you feel that. Um there's little, you know, they're all a bunch of little things, but you put those together and it becomes a bigger thing. So, um, we're pulling, yeah, we're pulling for them. He's got, they got everybody behind them. Um, it's a tough stretch right now, but, uh, hopefully we can pull through and get after the season and, you know, finish up strong. It's going to be interesting to see what happens next here down the road for, for Michigan football. Drew, tell everybody exactly, cause we'll get asked this question. What you're doing now, one of the big-time athletes, when you think about the late 90s, early 2000s, and into the mid-2000s with your baseball, your football career, you know, you played for the Yankees and the Cowboys. I mean, a, a star star for a long period of time. What are you doing now? Well, right now I live in Tampa um, with my wife and my daughter, and, you know, I've spent the last two years – uh, connecting and reconnecting with uh, guys around the NFL and their front office and scouting departments. Uh, well, you know, Adam. You know, since I was since I was I can remember, my father was a college football coach. I, I grew up on the sidelines uh, as a ball boy, and I've always wanted, when I was done playing, to be part of that team building process. I've always been intrigued by the process of putting the puzzle pieces together, getting the right guys in the right spot. So when I was finished up playing, I'd reach out around the NFL uh, as well as my baseball contacts just to see what came back. And the Yankees hired me. And I came back to Tampa, I coached, and I scouted for five years and really enjoyed it. But uh, just as before, you know, football's in my blood. It's, it's what I wake up loving to do every day. I love breaking down film. Uh, I love finding nuances between players' talents. Uh, so, you know, I'd love to work in the league for a team. I think this, uh, 
this coming draft process is going to be the most challenging anyone has had between the limited access at, at sure. colleges to watch practice and games, um, in person, the all-star games, the combine. Uh, these guys are going to be really challenged on, on how much info can they get, the right kind of info, contacts they have, and having a, uh, less information and having them right, make the right decision. So uh, I'd love to help a team this offseason. We'll get together with some after the draft, after the season. I uh, came out of the combine feeling really good, had some good good meetings, and then COVID hit. So uh, as of right now, you know, I'm fully fully ready to, uh, to jump into this when I get an opportunity. And I, I loved reading your scouting report of, of Justin Herbert. And, and you know I, I love this kid in college and, ba- and what his game could mean at the NFL level. And I thought the Chargers got a steal. You got to tell everyone what you saw at the Senior Bowl and the report that you put together for NFL teams on Justin Herbert. Well, you know, I, I knew the narrative uh, going in. I think everyone did uh, about the leadership. Quality. And, you know, someone makes a judgment about someone's leadership skills. That's a really touchy subject for me. Uh, you know, I, I, unless I know someone personally or I get the chance to meet them, I'm very careful about questioning a guy's heart or his ability to lead people. So that being said, you know, I watched his senior year uh, and he played great. And I was super excited that Jim Nagy uh, let me come down and help that week, those guys and, and getting to know Justin Herbert, just uh, <clears throat> Jalen Hurts and some of those other guys. But uh, Herbert is relaxed and impressive as a guy as you, as you can imagine. And, and people that misread him, they might not just be as smart as him, honestly. Um, you know, you see the, some of his quotes about being ready to play in the NFL. I think he's a smart guy that just wanted to control his narrative and downplay some of the hype. Um, because at the end of the day, that's only going to help him. Uh, you watch him go out and practice, interact with his teammates, compete. Uh, it checks every box plus that you could want. Um, and that's why I wanted to kind of put that out there because I know everyone's saying it right now. But I, I, for me, that was an easy evaluation. Um, but and it's great to see him having a chance to uh, to show everyone that, that may have doubted his ability to lead just to go up and rip up rip up the lead right now. Oh, it's great. I, I'm obsessed with him, and I, I love that you were ahead of the curve on that. I, I'm curious, living where you're living, have you been watching? You know, your old teammate Tom Brady and, and the Buccaneers and, and your observation of, of Tampa Bay and, and their offense and how they've been performing this season? Uh, actually, yeah. I, I actually was at the game on Monday. Uh, first time I've seen a football game live. Uh, and it was, it was fun. It felt like a preseason game. Wow. You know, the, the atmosphere, you know, 15,000 people or so. They got the music, but uh, not, you know, obviously not quite the same as regular game day. Um, and, I took away from the game that, that the Rams deserve a lot of credit. Uh, yeah, yeah. Offensively, you know, you watch them from without the TV broadcast and everyone talking, uh, just them being methodical and committed to, to what they were doing. I mean, extremely organized and golf ran that thing uh, about as smooth as you could. Uh, and then everybody knows how to get to Tom. I mean, you got to hit him. you got to make his speed uncomfortable. Uh, at 43, you know, it's, he's not going to move a whole lot, and, and you're going to need to have some clean looks for him. And, and at the end of the day, they, they got him just uncomfortable enough to make a mistake uh, in the fourth quarter. So, um, you know, those are adjustments that they'll make. Uh, but the other thing I did want to point out is that the first time I've seen Jalen Ramsey play in person. And watching on TV, you don't get the full effect of him between series. Uh, he wanted to be with everybody. He came out, he knew it was prime time. And uh, he locked some guys down. He was moving all over the field. He was engaged. Uh, in that atmosphere, he definitely stood out as a guy that, uh, had his fingerprint on the game. You saw Tom get away from some throws 
uh, that he wanted to because he saw the way he was closing. Uh, and that's stuff you can't quite see on broadcast. I love this breakdown of the Rams. I mean, I said earlier in, in the podcast, I've been saying for a while, I think I think they're the most well-rounded team in the, in the NFC. I love that appreciation for Ramsey. I, I like Goff. I think Sean McVay really takes advantage of of him and the offense. I think he's a heck of a coach. What's your read on how far you think these Rams can go? Well, I mean, they were a Super Bowl team two years ago, and they tweaked and adjusted and kind of reinvented themselves uh, who they are offensively as far as running run pass stuff. But uh, you can't look at them and say there's a weakness. Uh, you know, they, they, they're balanced. They're solid. Uh, they have playmakers. Uh, and, you know, watching Cooper Cup, you know, there's a difference. There's a huge addition from their Super Bowl team. Uh, he was incredible to watch play the other night. So I think they just keep building without injury. Uh, I think they'd be confident going to any matchup uh, at any stage of the playoffs. What has it been like watching your old teammate and everything that, you know, you guys went through in 99 and you documented that earlier in the interview? What's it been like watching Tom throughout his NFL career, Drew? Well, I've had to do it vicariously because <laughs> I didn't get to do much of it myself. But yeah, I, uh, I honestly couldn't be happier for him. Um, you know, when you go through a situation like we had, where the only other guy that knows what you're going through is the other person. Um, you know, there's kind of a kinship that when we left school, we both, you know, had a, an extreme admiration and respect for one another. Um, and so I've pulled for him his whole career, and it, it's truly remarkable to see what he's done because it's never happened before. Um, but uh, would you have guessed it out of the gate? Heck no. But No, right. Uh, I, I couldn't be happier for him. And, you know, at some point when it wraps up, we'll get to sit down. I want to hear a ton of stories and um It'll be great, but um, I can't believe he's playing at 43. It kind of of comes full circle, though, Adam, to my point earlier about how much I missed football at 23 and what I gave up uh, to go play it. The guy's 43, and he won't give it up because he knows what he won't won't have when he he stops playing. So I just realized that means that Henson, Brady, and Greasy, as Brian was doing the game, were all in Tampa on the same night (laughs) last Monday. I mean, that's crazy, Drew. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's some stories, you know, that, that 97 season that Greasy won the, the national title, that, that training camp battle with him and Tom is legendary in its own right. You know, that was a split down the middle about who should get that first start as, as anything else. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of a cool thing. That's pretty awesome. Drew, you're the best. I, I got to tell you, every time I get a chance to speak to you, it's, it's, it's pretty great. What you did in your career – it should be celebrated, and what you were able to do playing for Michigan football at that level, getting the contract with the Yankees, playing for the Cowboys and the Yankees, it is, it's pretty remarkable. I, I really would love if you were working for an NFL team or a great college team. I mean, listening to you talk football, it's, it's an education. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, and we appreciate the time today on the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm an avid listener. Bob Stu, what's up? Uh, you guys have a great holiday. You're the best. Drew Henson, of course, and that was awesome stuff. We'll be back on the other side on the Out of Time podcast after this. 
Your home for all things combat sports is Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Start your day with Hall of Fame Pro Wrestling Talk on Busted Open. All you need is a moment to get somebody over. Then the Barak Show keeps you updated on all things boxing. Let's not say that Canelo hasn't fought anybody with fighting guys on the way out. And Jimmy Smith has you covered for mixed martial arts. Do you want to look behind the curtain and see what these guys have to deal with for the amount of money they're making? The fight game broken down like nowhere else. Only on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Adam Schein, fantasy football legend. Bob, I had an unbelievable week last week, and I was really feeling great. I, was, I felt like I was going to win. I went with that stack that we said last week with Herbert and Keenan Allen, and Herbert got 30.74, Keenan Allen 38.5, started Mark Andrews, phenomenal, Pittman, sensational, Jefferson was solid, Josh Jacobs getting stopped at the goal line a couple times didn't help me. I ended up finishing in ninth place at 150.64, 150.64. The team that won had 169.48, 169.48. Third place, and I'm in a great league. My buddy Ken does a great job running it. And third place, my good friend Dave had 160.88 points. Wow. My So all I needed was 10 points. That's it. All I needed was 10 points from Ronald Jones on Monday Night Football. And damn you, Bruce Arians, for screwing me in DraftKings this past week. Adam, you couldn't have played Ronald Jones again. I mean, the first time he was great against Carolina, but he had the 98-yard touchdown run. The Bucs just don't like running the football. I mean, they never like running the football. But shame on me both... for thinking that they would go to school on that. Ugh. And and it's an amazing pass. The problem is I'm smarter than Bruce Arians. That's the problem. You can't mm-hmm. throw the ball against L.A. They got the best pass defense in the league. I thought maybe he would help out his 43-year-old quarterback and Ronald Jones would get 15 carries for 60 yards. That's all I wanted. 60 yards. Maybe give me a touchdown. Uh, You can't make it up, Bob Steele. You can't make it up. That is soul-crushing. I mean, you and I both liked the Rams' defense last week, so I thought you'd stay away from Rojo. Oh, man. So what are you thinking this week, Adam? Who are you feeling for, for your DraftKings lineup? All right, let me ask you a question, right? Yeah, go ahead. Am I nuts if I wanted to stack Derek Carr with either Waller or Jacobs this week? Wow. Yeah, I hadn't thought about Carr against the Falcons. I mean, what is Carr's price this week? He must be pretty reasonably priced, to be honest. I mean, that could be a pretty good way to go with this for a stack, Adam. I was having big time trouble with the stack. 5,700. Wow. Actually, I like that better than mine. I like that better than mine. Who do you have? Can I guess? Can I guess? Yeah, give it to you. You can give it to me. Yep. Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs. I actually don't have the bills this week. You're going to be stunned, and then you won't be stunned at the same time. I have Tua going against the Jets for 5,900. Look, the Jets secondary is so bad. You and I talked about on the podcast last week. You saw it last week. Justin Herbert looked like Joe Montana slicing up of what's left of the Jets secondary. It's full of rookies. Tua should have a field day. You could also get Devontae Parker for 5,900. The Jets just don't have anyone who can cover Parker. I know what happened last game. They didn't put up a ton of yards. Fitzpatrick didn't have a great game at all. And that, that kind of that kind of bit us in, in the end because I liked a couple of those plays for DraftKings earlier in the season. I just think the Jets can't cover Devontae Parker. He's going to have at least two touchdowns. That's why I like the two a stack for this week, Adam. Running back position. Tell me if this is nuts, and I want to see what I do with the quarterback 
and if I go car, if I stack Waller, what if I played Chubb and Hunt? Yes. See, it's funny. Nick Chubb, first off, has to be in your lineup. 7,200. Yep. The weather is not going to be great in Jacksonville. Guess what? The weather was bad in Cleveland last week. You know what happened. Both Chubb and Hunt were unbelievable. They were unstoppable. The Eagles couldn't do anything. Nick Chubb, he had one of the best games I've ever seen him play. He had some unreal runs. He was stiff-arming linebackers down the field. He was unbelievable. Like I said, the weather's bad. The Cleveland's going to have to run the football. They're not going to be passing. He's absolutely the play at 7,200. I don't think you're crazy at all, Adam, going with Kareem Hunt either. I think that's a great idea. I, I think they make a lot of sense. I like Jacobs a lot. At the wide receiver position, you know, I told you how much I love Arizona. I'd love to find a way to get Hopkins in at 8,100. That is pricey. You know, I, I'll tell you who I think is in play this week. You know, I, I think that when you look at Michael Thomas, you have to consider getting him back in in a DraftKings lineup. I mean, Taysom Hill did a great job reestablishing him. I think he could have a monster game against Denver. So that's a name that I like a lot. I, I really I, I hit the jackpot with Michael Pittman. I think he could have a yes. big game, you know, and if you want to start looking at some guys in the $4,000 range, Nelson Aguilar against the Atlanta Falcons. There's a guy I'm considering as well. It's funny. Usually you and I have at least a couple of the same plays. I don't have any of your same plays. I love Justin Jefferson again, Adam. You just got to ride the hot hand. He yeah. had 86 yards and a touchdown against He's Dallas. You list. played him last week. Absolutely. 135 yards against the Bears. Adam Thielen, he might not play. His status is up in the air. That means it would be Jefferson all day. I actually kind of like the Falcons going up against Vegas. I like Calvin Ridley, 7,100. Julio is a game-time decision. The Raiders were shredded by Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey through the air. Ridley's consistent. All he has to do is catch a touchdown. He would pay off. Speaking of guys that are undervalued, Denzel Mims at 3,500, Adam, is criminal. He's he in my three, lineup right now. He should be. 3,500? He had three catches, 71 yards against the Chargers. The guy's a matchup nightmare. All Joe Flacco has to do is throw the ball in the air and he catches it. The Jets just have to target him. If they target him a little bit more, he will eventually catch a touchdown. I know the Dolphins have a good secondary. The price is just too good to pass up. For tight end, Adam, another guy I looked at, Dallas Goddard, 4,200. He would be a great play. Looked great against the Browns. Seattle can't cover anybody. Plenty of targets for Goddard, even if Ertz shows up. Do you, guys, do you have anyone else in mind for this week, Adam? You know, by the way, I think it's interesting when you take a look at, at DraftKings and, and who to play for this upcoming week, specifically on the defensive side. You know, I always try to find that defense that's, that's under $3,000. Bob, I think Seattle is a must-start. 2500 wow. against Carson Wentz? I mean, I, I'm, gonna, I'm telling you right now, I'm starting the Seahawks defense. I'm not going to try to convince you to go otherwise, Adam. If I was looking at a defense to spend on this week, if you wanted to spend money, Saints against Drew Locke, 3800 Don't go with one. the Dolphins. Yeah, the Dolphins are the highest-priced defense. Do not pick the Dolphins this week. I know they shut out the Jets last time. The Jets' offense has looked good the last two games. Do not play the Dolphins' defense. If you want the Saints, they've been opportunistic, 3800 But the Seahawks, that gives you a ton of flexibility in your lineup. I like that idea, Adam. More fun and games on the Adam Shine podcast right after this. 
Hey, everybody, this is Fran Fraschella, host of the podcast World of Basketball. The game of basketball has truly become a global game. Markovic fires it into Mickey, somehow it goes in. Each week, I talk with the players, coaches, and executives who have led the way in growing the game of basketball around the world. Real Madrid has stolen victory from the jaws of defeat. Episodes are available every Thursday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Adam Shine, not telling you to wager on football, but here we go. Bob Stew joins us for our NFL picks against the spread. And Bob, it is one o'clock Eastern time on Wednesday. And literally five minutes before we sat down to do the sizzling episode 35 edition of the Adam Shine podcast, the NFL announced they are moving the Ravens Steelers game from Thanksgiving nights to this Sunday afternoon. Steelers players going bonkers as we speak on on Twitter, but the NFL, listen, it's going to be health and safety with all the positive COVID-19 tests for the Baltimore Ravens. And, you know, we played this game at five and a half literally two hours ago on Shine On Sports on radio So you told me right before we started the podcast, the spread is now down to four and a half. We both picked the Ravens with that number. We both picked Pittsburgh to win. Baltimore with the points. I'm probably going to stay with it. You know, I'm going to stay with it. I say probably as I'm, I'm keep scrolling. Juju's going nuts. Claypool's <laughs> going nuts. Ebron's going nuts. So, you know, the Steelers are going to be feisty. You still going to stay with the Baltimore Ravens here? Yeah, first off, the league absolutely made the right decision. I mean, health and safety is number one. Adam, why can't the why can't we have nice things on Thanksgiving night? I why know. does this keep happening? We've had to suffer through Scott Tolzien playing for the Colts. We've had to suffer through bad Atlanta Falcons teams playing against the Saints on Thanksgiving night. We just can't have nice things on Thanksgiving night. That's my takeaway from this. But you're right. I mean, now it's down to four and a half. I liked it at five and a half. I thought the Ravens were a lock. I wouldn't be surprised, Adam, if this goes down even more. You're talking four, maybe even three and a half. I think it's a big deal because the Ravens actually get some practice time in. To me, that was the biggest disadvantage. The Ravens weren't going to practice at all this week. That is terrible going up against potentially the best defense in the NFL in Pittsburgh. I don't necessarily know which players, if any, the Ravens will get back. I'm curious to see what it looks like at the end of the week. No, I would still stay with the Ravens. If anything, I might even think about taking the Ravens on the money line to win the game outright, Adam, with extra days to practice to beat Pittsburgh. I liked Baltimore originally when this game was scheduled. I know what happened in the first game. Pittsburgh came through at the end, but Baltimore dominated on the ground. Absolutely. Yeah, the Ravens have matchups against the Steelers. They really do. They played them great in the first matchup. You know, I'd say it's a lock that they would cover the five and a half, especially now. I will still stick with the Ravens. I might even take them outright to win the whole game, Adam. All right. Now, if there are updates on the spread and practice time, again, we're taping this at one twelve now, Eastern time. So I will tweet it out. You will tweet it out if we're going to change our pick. But for now, we're both taking Baltimore, and it's at four and a half, and this line is going to be fluid. Steelers players are going nuts left and right. This was a no-brainer. The NFL had to act in terms of health and safety. Listen, this is my favorite rivalry in the NFL. I've said it for forever on the Adam Shine podcast, on, on radio and TV, on Shine and Sports and Time to Shine as well. So, 
Listen, it sucks that we don't have a game on Thanksgiving night, but again, welcome to 2020 and playing and living in a pandemic. So NFL absolutely did the right thing and the only thing. Now, you are 3-0 and in your last three Thursday picks, which is amazing because you, before that, won two total Thursday games against the spread <laughs> in the almost two-year history of the Adam Shine podcast. So, Bob, since you're red hot... I will give you the floor first on the two Thanksgiving games. I love the history and tradition of Detroit hosting on Thanksgiving. You know, you think about Barry Sanders, Herman Moore. I don't care about the Lions organization, but I love it for the Lions fans. They're amazing. They're diehard. So we have the Lions there at home against my guy, Deshaun Watson, and the Texans with the Texans favored by three. And a huge game for first place in the NFC East. We got your Dallas Cowboys taking on the football team of Washington with Dallas bomb favored by three. Yeah, I love watching the Lions on Thanksgiving, but that's only because of Matt Stafford. I mean, he makes the game entertaining. He makes every Thanksgiving game entertaining when he's not hurt. I am really worried about Stafford's injury, Adam. I mean, he was not the same quarterback last week against Carolina. Clearly something was wrong. He had never been shut out in his career as a Lions quarterback. Well, he got shut out. He got shut out by the Panthers. The Panthers aren't a great defense. They're not world beaters. That would really concern me going into this game against Houston, especially because Deshaun Watson has played great over the last few weeks. And Houston beat up the Patriots. Like, that game, it looked close in terms of the score at the end. Houston was very comfortable in that game. They really had, they didn't really have a lot of problems with New England at all and New England's defense. Deshaun Watson looked great. I would expect Watson to look great again in this game. I love the Texans in this one. And for the NFC East, I know for this game between Washington and Dallas, I know you and I disagree on this game, which I think makes it even better. I love Washington. I'm not going to be fooled by Dallas here, Adam. I'm not fooled by the Cowboys at all. I still think they have major problems. Offensive line's not the same. Andy Dalton played well against Minnesota, but he's still Andy Dalton. And now, I mean, that game is now the biggest game of the afternoon. You can't really call it primetime, I guess, right? It is in kind of, what is it, 4 o'clock or so. So technically, we can't even put those, you know, the Andy Dalton big game checklist. It is no, a big yeah, game, that though, does, for Andy that, Dalton, that though, doesn't, It's not a primetime game, though. It's an afternoon game. It's a big guess, game. It's a Thanksgiving game. It's a center stage game. Bob and I, I know what happened last time these two teams played, but, you know, Zeke was outstanding against Minnesota. Lamb has the chops for a big game. I think he's going to thrive on Thanksgiving. You like Washington. I'm, I'm rolling with the Cowboys. Yeah, I like Washington a lot. You just pretty much listed off all of the Andy Dalton big game checklist things, though, Adam. Pretty much everything aside from the fact the game won't be played at night. If there's some sort of delay, watch out. If there's a delay to the game, watch out, because Andy Dalton has no chance at night. I really think the Cowboys, I mean, they did a great job against Minnesota. I just don't trust them against that Washington defense that held them to 143 yards in the first meeting. 143 yards. Washington has an elite defense, an elite pass rush, and the secondary has gotten so much better this year. I know the offense isn't great, but Alex Smith has played okay. He just has to play mediocre to win this game. That's why I love Washington with the outright upset. I am excited for Tampa Bay and Kansas City. That's at the 425 window on CBS. Romo, Nance, Wolfson, can't wait for that. That, to me, Bob, is a changing of the guard kind of game. 
And that's an unaf- and it's already happened, but Brady to Mahomes. Listen, I, I think in the spread is three and a half, Kansas City favored. You know, there was a, a great opportunity for, for the Raiders to take care of business. We all knew that Mahomes going to come through and, and throw that touchdown at the end. I think Mahomes is going to throw for four or five touchdowns. I think the Bucs, I talked about it earlier in the podcast, they have some issues. I think Kansas City, it's going to be a fun game, high-scoring game. I think Kansas City is going to smoke Tampa Bay. Look, I agree with you 100% in terms of Pat Mahomes. You expect four to five touchdowns. You expect Pat Mahomes to dominate. I think he will dominate. I think he's going to put up at least 31 points again. The only issue is, Adam, I disagree with you. I just think the Chiefs' defense is weak. Tom Brady has struggled against elite defenses, but he can still pick apart defenses that have weaknesses. One of the biggest storylines coming out of the last game against the Rams for the Bucs, Antonio Brown became a reliable weapon. He didn't light up the stat sheet. He had 57 yards and about nine catches, but he's a reliable weapon for Brady. The Bucs have reliable weapons all over the field. Godwins, Evans, uh, you know, Rob Gronkowski didn't play well last game, but you still have to account for him in the red zone when he's on the field. And now Antonio Brown, I know the Bucs can't run the football. I don't think it matters. I think they're going to be passing all game. I don't need the Bucs to win the game, Adam. It's only three and a half. I just need them to be within a field goal. I think the game is going to be excellent. That's why I like Tampa in this one. Wow. Bob Sue. All right. We're going to disagree on that one. How about the Monday night game this week? And I mentioned the Seattle defense earlier in the podcast. Listen, Carson Wentz needs to hit the pine. I mean, he needs to be benched. He he leads the league. This is a made-up Adam Shine stat. He leads the league in, in oy vey moments. You won't find that on pro football focus. You know, that that's on the Adam Shine football index. The oy vey, can't believe he just did that moment. Listen, I... I called Carson a star, you know, last year, a sensational 4-0 against the division to make the playoffs, carrying a bunch of no-names and injury-riddled offense and injury-riddled players, and guys were out left and right. I was voting for him MVP before he ripped up his knee years ago. He deserves more credit for Philly winning that Super Bowl because he was able to get them the one seed. Bob, he needs a break, and I'm not saying bench him forever, but he can't function right now. It's not even about... You know, what came first, chicken or egg? You know, injuries on the offensive line or a bad offseason or Doug Peterson's play selection or drafting Jalen Hurts. You got to play Jalen Hurts now. I mean, Carson Wentz can't function. He's holding on to the ball too long. His decision-making's terrible. Miles Garrett didn't even play last week. And, you know, we both picked Cleveland to take care of business and didn't even hesitate. Bob, I think Seattle is going to crunch Carson Wentz in Philadelphia. And I... I don't think Carson should play in this one. Yeah, I was going to ask you, is it over for Carson Wentz? It seems like you've already came up with the answer. I don't even have to ask you the question anymore. If he can't light up Seattle's secondary, Adam, I don't know where the Eagles go from here. And you put it perfectly. He struggled against the Browns, and they didn't even have Miles Garrett. We didn't hesitate in that game. He did have that crazy oy vey moment early in the game with the pick six. That, that was one of the worst throws I've seen all year. If he can't light up this weak Seahawks secondary, Adam, it is going to be a disaster in Philadelphia. I don't really know where they go, what the plan is. I don't think they're winning the division anymore, even though they still have a slight lead with the tie. I don't think they really have any chance to win the division. I think all the three other teams, I think, are all better than the Eagles at this point. They're all better than them. 
I love Seattle in this game. I mean, the Eagles' defense is aging. The pass rush is still pretty good. Like, they can still get to the quarterback. They just can't really do anything else, which is a problem when you're facing Russell Wilson. He is going to light up that secondary and pick Philadelphia apart. I love the Seahawks, Sam. They're going to win the game by at least 20 points. We always do the Mount Rushmore of games, Bob, for a specific week. For me, number one in terms of my interest level is the game with the Chiefs and the Buccaneers. That's my number one. My number two is Pittsburgh and and Baltimore. My number three is Tennessee and Indy. Huge battle, seven and three. Both teams are seven and three atop the AFC South. Huge battle for first place. My number four game this week is actually Arizona-New England because you still have people on Planet Delusional who, (laughs) you know, somehow... What have I been saying forever? You know, the Patriots are dead. I said preseason, not making the playoffs. People were killing me for it. You know, said when they won a couple of games, beat the Ravens, credit them. They're still dead. I I always love watching Arizona play. I want to see Kingsbury against Belichick. That's going to be fun. You know, quick check of the Patriots. Yep, still dead. I told you last week on the podcast, (laughs) Texans were going to beat the New England Patriots. Bob, and my other two Mount Rushmore games, and I think Indy Tennessee is going to be amazing. You know, the spread is three. I'm going to take Indy to win and cover. Love both these teams. I'm going to stay with my pick preseason of Indianapolis winning the division and I picked Indy to beat Green Bay I think Jonathan Taylor just has best game as a pro Rivers locked and loaded that defense makes plays and I think Arizona is going to light up the New England Patriots and just remind you how special the Cardinals are hope Kyler Murray was battling that shoulder he's able to sling it big game for DeAndre Hopkins and quick check of the Patriots once again still dead Thank you for listening to another incredible episode of the Adam Shine Podcast. Bob Stew, sensational. Thanks to our listeners on SiriusXM On Demand, our listeners on Pandora, listeners on Apple and with Stitcher. Please hit the subscribe button, leave a review because you love the Adam Shine Podcast and we love you. You can catch me every weekday on my SiriusXM radio show, Shine On Sports, which airs, of course, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on SiriusXM, Mad Dog Sports Radio, Channel 82. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. This is the Adam Shine Podcast. For more from Adam Shine, listen to Shine on Sports on Mad Dog Sports Radio, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Mad Dog Sports Radio, Channel 82. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.